All right. Uh, Systematic Saturday. Mm. And uh, Nick is full of mischief. Let's do this. Nick, you want to sweep the rug yeah. out from those semi-Pelagians. Yeah, I'm feeling very much like a reformer today, like Zwingli or Calvin or Luther. You know who you might be? You might be um, imbibing the spirit of John Gill. Mm. You know that, that painting that Spurgeon had on, <clears throat> on his, uh, in his office, and he says, I often look and see that Gill, his nostrils are flared at the Hint of the possibility of some Arminianism. <laughs> uh, it's such a yeah. gnarly-looking picture. Of it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but it's um, it's it's something that is obviously it's a big one on systematic in Reformed systematic theology, the soteriological angle. Um, you know, it's sort of for me. It feels like such a well-worn path. I don't even feel like I want to ever talk about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you yeah. know that feeling, but. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it is really important. And, it, you know, just having gone through just the whole array of things that you have to look at, and obviously not, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I've, I've sort of hit omniscience on it or whatever, but, but um, you know, there is, um, I, I suppose for me, it's always been a desire of just get, okay, where am I? All right, let's move forward rather than get stuck on that for the rest of my life. Um, but in the process from, I'd say, from me being, Pelagian slash semi-Pelagian and from back in my Finney days, you know, um, all the way to, to reformed. I mean, there are some important things you learn and sometimes I hear, especially with, with, um, you know, uh, what do we call it? The, the wave of the new Calvinism. It doesn't feel like people have had to go through that battle sometimes, um, you know, because they've just rode the wave and, and it's just, it's been, you know, there's automatically been this thing for them, a community to be part of as Calvinists. And so, you know, you lose out on, on, on perhaps, um, making sure that you believe what you believe and, uh, those nuances are not quite there. And then of course, uh, when you talk to those who are perhaps not Calvinist, um, you're unable to engage with them quite the way that that you could otherwise, um, because there's a lot of nuance in the Armenian slash Pelagian camp as well. And so it's helpful to be able to just tell, okay, well, where exactly are you? Even when someone says they mm. are uh, coming at it from a certain perspective, oftentimes they aren't, in fact, coming at it from that perspective. I mean, yeah, get, right. I mean even in the Arminianism, you get like classical Arminianism, you get that inconsistent Wesleyan kind of Arminianism, you get, uh, you know, the open world theist kind of Arminianism. And yeah. so you, you've got the Emeraldianism, yeah. which I suppose that, you know, many today put in the Calvinist camp in some ways. Yeah. And they call them like, I mean, that would be a four pointer, right? Would you distinguish between Emeraldianism and four point Calvinism? Uh, it probably depends on how they are wanting to define it. Cause Emeraldianism is, is a, a look at the decree of God and splitting the Trinity where the father loves all and intends to save all. Hmm. But in the, in the order salutis, the Holy Spirit doesn't apply the power of God right. to all to bring all to salvation. Totally, and, and so that's pretty much the mechanism. That's how they allow for a unlimited atonement. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, limited, unlimited in its intent. Yes, exactly. Okay, so there's that, and then um, you've got all sorts of Pelagian um, uh, kinds of be- beliefs as well. Um, historically, it's a really interesting sort of walk through history to just have a look at that as well. Um, yeah. But 
yeah, what what are we approaching today? What are we? Um, so I mean, I, I think what I just wanted to clarify today is, you know, there are a lot of people who talk about the so-called Arminian versus <laughs> Calvinist debate. Yeah. And for those who are hearing about all this Calvinism going on on the internet, they're getting really scared, they're getting really worried, and they see themselves as Arminians. Yes. But the trouble is this, that there are many in evangelicalism today that are not Arminian. There's something worse. There's, mm. there's something that we would define as semi-Pelagian. Yeah. And um, it's a scary thing. And I think it's, it's worth just clarifying that and looking at some definitions. So I think what would be helpful, you know, just I think, um, I think we did one on free will, which a lot of people yeah. benefit from. Yeah. We gave a taxonomy of the various views. Mm-hmm. So let's give a taxonomy of Pelagianism. Mm-hmm. Develop it to semi-Pelagianism, show some of the distinctions between the two, yeah. and then distinguish Arminianism from uh, semi-Pelagianism. We can throw Amaraldianism in there if you want, and yeah. then show Calvinism and distinction from all of those. And then maybe uh, even just add a little hyper-Calvinism on the end. Yeah, we you can know? do that too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Let's go. All right, so let's begin with Pelagius and Pelagianism. What do you know? Well, deny original sin. Yeah. Um, and you can basically, you know, it started off with the Pelagius himself and um, mm-hmm. the British monk guy uh, who went toe to toe with Augustine. But um, yeah. yeah, he was basically like, listen, we don't need a imputation of anything because we didn't get an imputation of anything. And basically, <laughs> it just literally depends on us looking at Christ's example and um, and uh, our work, our changing our moral course. We can do it. We should do yep. it. If we don't do it, we're not going to go to heaven. So yeah. it was just an unbridled moralism. And so he, he denied that we had a fallen nature. Mm-hmm. He believed we lived in a fallen world and faced the consequences of Adam's sin in terms of that were exterior to us. Mm-hmm. But we, we did not experience bondage of the will as, as Luther defined it. Yeah. And um, so, you know, he was the one who basically came up with the concept that God wouldn't command us to do anything we couldn't do. Yeah. So, so he was. He was the originator of that whole concept. Mm-hmm. So moral, you know, the command implies the ability to keep the command. Right. Uh, so that that's that's Pelagianism. And yeah. so now t- today, you know, who would the Pelagians be? <coughs> so that would be those who deny the fall, deny original sin. We're talking mm-hmm. about the liberals. You know? Totally, yeah. Uh, so we're not talking about evangelicals when we talk about Pelagians. We're talking about heretics. Yeah. Uh, and so... You know, if you're a Pelagian, you're probably not a Christian. Yeah. Uh, I mean, would would you have classed uh, Finney as semi-Pelagian? Well, Finney actually approached his view of man through Kant. So Kant was the one who also said, and he repeated Pelagian's view, mm. that the command implies the ability. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't necessarily endorsing Pelagian and Pelagianism per se, but he was very – he was influenced by uh, – a philosophical system that wasn't rooted in scripture. Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He had a bit of a jumbled <coughs> idea there. Okay. But um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Clark Pinnock comes to mind as well. Do you remember that whole thing? But yeah. I suppose he, he sort he of went vi- down the line of open theism and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So I suppose he's still kind of not really in the realm of. Yeah. I can't sin- remember exactly what he believed on the sinful nature. Yeah. So okay. Pelagianism is way out way there. Way out, yeah. And basically, whenever you have a psychologist saying, you know, all you need to do to change your life is this five-step program. It's yeah. all about you taking mm-hmm. hold of your future, changing uh-huh. your mind, taking a grip on your life. They're essentially um, appealing to a Pelagian worldview. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Flesh is powerful, and flesh can give birth to spirit. So that's Pelagianism. That's yeah. the 
that's the, the far end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, a denial of s- the sinful nature, any form of bondage. And then mm-hmm. we move into semi-Pelagianism. So what do we mean by semi-Pelagianism? Well, um, I think this is where you start getting into that murky ground in that there's some some sort of, um, well, I suppose, yeah, you could either say that there is some um, acceptance of, their, of, of the fall and original sin, yeah. but that that gets nullified in some way, functionally speaking, just ways that at the end of the day, when all things are said and done, they've, they've just they've 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 pretty much endorsed a Pelagian view, except they've sort of incorporated the fall into it. So it's it's you know it, it has a little bit more orthodoxy to it, but it's still yeah. pretty darn serious. So this is probably the prevailing view today, and it goes something like this: you know, yes, I'm a sinner, yeah, and being a sinner means I I have a sinful nature, which means I experience temptations from within, yeah, and I live in a sinful environment. And my body is one day going to die, and I'm going to experience a separation of right. soul and spirit. But my mind right. and my will yeah. are sufficiently free so that all that needs to happen is you just show me the evidence. Yeah. And I can reason my way to God. Or you just, you just put the gospel before me in a, in a winsome fashion, and I can choose to I- embrace it. You know, my, my, and this is where a lot of people talk about the freedom of the will. Yeah. Um, and this is what they mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we've spoken about all the the libertarian notions that have crept into that understanding. But mm-hmm. so semi-Pelagianism basically says, yes, there's a fall. Yes, we're sinful. But when it comes to getting saved, when it comes to obeying God, when it comes to um, grappling with general revelation, you know, are the Bushmen going to go to heaven? Of course they can. You know, all they need to do is look at nature, see there's a God, reach out to that God uh, from where they're at, and, you know, God yeah. will take them. Yeah. Um, so, so this is the semi-Pelagian atmosphere that gives rise to all sorts of teachings like that. Yeah, totally. And, and it's very common, and it's probably the prevalent view today. I think so. Yeah, you just sort of, my my personal, my freedom of the world is untouched. <clears throat> There's something untarnished by the fall. Yeah, and, and so, again, maybe actually just thinking about it now, probably with that whole, they accept the fall, but functionally deny it. I would actually probably steer that more towards the, the you know, um, as we're moving over into the Arminian side, but maybe semi-Pelagian all the way to those fringe parts of Arminianism it would actually just be a straight up, it'd be an acceptance of the fall, as you say, but it's just yeah. a denial that it has touched everything, you know? Yeah. And, it's and, not total depravity. Yeah, it's not total depravity. Um, and yeah, so maybe that's it. They deny total depravity point blank you know there is a just thinking about finney now as i'm talking i mean did he deny total depravity yes and he actually quoted pelagius as well right interesting yeah yeah i mean kent because that would be a good example like wesley for example didn't you know yeah and well um, let's let's move over then to the armenian and maybe even before we get to the armenian let's stop at the catholics right you know they believe in a fall yeah they believe in total depravity Mm -hmm. but they believe that through the sacrament of baptism you know, sanctifying grace is implanted in you. Yes. Totally. And so you are now able to justify yourself through uh, cooperating with this grace that's in your heart. Through yep. works of love, you justify yourself and you develop and grow. Yeah. So there's this, there's this, and they have a view of, of, of even 
unfallen nature where there's the con- concupiscence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this contrary thing that needs the spirit to control it. And, and when Adam fell, the, the controlling spirit was removed and the wild aspect of our nature dominated. Mm-hmm. But then baptism retames it. And, and now we have an opportunity as we cooperate with this grace to to sanctify, uh, to justify ourselves by producing works of love. Yeah. So yeah. the Roman Catholics are more orthodox than the semi-Pelagians, though yep. many semi-Pelagians would call the Roman Catholics the Horror Babylon. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, what's interesting is, yeah, as I was saying earlier, I mean, there's a classic example of their, them having come up with a system that functionally leaves them in the place of a semi-Pelagian, you know, but, but yeah. they have at least, they've got a system that incorporates total depravity somehow. Exactly. You know? so, yeah. so they've got, they're paying some lip service to at least some of the orthodox aspects yeah. of the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then then we come to Arminianism itself. Yeah, and um, Jacobus Arminius. Yeah, I don't even know what his full name is. Yeah, yeah, Herquibus. Her- <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was really it was one of those classic like what? How can you make Jacobus sound more Dutch than Jacobus? It seems like Herr Jacobus <laughs> or something. Um, but but um, so he was a Calvinist. He was the leading Calvinist of the day. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So uh, the whole... I know he studied under was it Turretin or no? Who's the guy before Turretin? Oh uh, no, it was um, Beza, wasn't it? Be- Beza. That's yeah, the that's it. So the whole thing was, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name now that he had to debate. But the whole issue was like he had to debate. He was the leading debater. He was at this. Um, he was at where Beza was at school, in in um, where is it um, in Holland. Um, and I can't remember the exact, the something very famous, should remember it. But anyway, um, he uh, got called up as the guy who would debate the guy who was ac- saying the Calvinists accused God of sin, of, of um, originating sin and being the author of evil. And, um, and so he gladly took the task, you know, being the star student. And wow. uh, off he goes. And in his preparations, he felt he lost that debate, essentially. Um, and it threw him back into the box. He was an exceptionally good scholar, you know, and um, and he was just very nuanced and very, you know, very very sharp, able to, you know, just knew everything in terms of yeah. Calvinists, and and, um, and so worked the books, you know, and just did what a good theologian essentially should do, just trying to work out the problem, you know, what what is the thing? But the reason I bring up that story is because Arminius, you know, in terms of its original Arminianism was really a in some sense a calvinistic system you know in that it just adopted all the points of your classic reformation yeah um, he was much more robust he touched on all the necessary points and just construed a different system at every point yeah lots of checks and balances and you know try to hold it all in place um and you know that gave rise as we know to the remonstrance and yeah. the tulip and whatnot but and he had is, a covenant he had a covenant theology which oh, 100%. Day on don't. yeah exactly exactly so you know the, the and that has come to be known as classical Arminianism, uh, yeah. which is very there, different to the majority there, there Arminianism There are very today. few classical Arminianists. I think Roger Olson would be yeah, uh, exactly. himself. And as, even he yeah. would be more like a Wesleyan Arminian than a Arminius Arminian, you know? So yeah. Ar- Arminius himself was, was pretty darn Calvinistic, you know, is, is what I'm saying. A very high view of uh, of grace, very, um, lo- you know, well, just a strong view of sin, total depravity. Yeah. You know, those things were all very important to him when yeah. he was factoring in his theology, which is just interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, as, as you look at all the different brands of Arminianism, I think the key concept to understand is prevenient grace. Yes, because that was his thing. That was his deal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Pre prevenient grace is basically this. We are totally depraved. We are dead in sin. Flesh does give birth to flesh. We, we, we do need the Spirit of God. We do need inter an intervention. Mm. But God doesn't intervene only in the lives of His elect. Mm. Intervenes in the life of all. Yeah. And so one of, the, one of the key texts would be, um, you know, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Mm. As, a, as, a, as an attempt to make a scriptural basis for the fact that, you know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was a universal working of the Spirit, which neutralized total depravity to, so everyone got partially regenerated. That's, that's, yeah, that's my summary. Essentially, yeah. Everyone gets partially regenerated, where some of the effects of the fall in every person are neutralized, mm -hmm. which bring them to the, the place of a neutrality, where mm -hmm. they can now freely choose without coercion, irresistible uh, grace, or uh, any of the other notions that our Arminians want to put forward. John 1, verse 9. The, the, the true light, which gives light to everyone, yes. everyone was coming into the world. So, <laughs> so that's the idea. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this is, this is the notion. And now, this notion acknowledges total depravity. It believes in tea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it compensates for it. It, it overcomes the exclusive aspect by, by making there a, a universal provenient grace. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, this is something that, you know, Arminians who people, people who call themselves Arminians in, in, in contradistinction to Calvinists today are not. Yeah. They do not hold to these distinctives. No, and it's Arminianism in that sense is a very particular thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're more semi-Pelagian than Arminian. Yeah. And it's really, it's still very far from, from Calvinism, but it's, you know, I've always found, like if I think about Roger Olson, for example, um, yeah. You know, I'm not that fussed about it, to be honest. You know what I mean? It's kind of like he's got his he's got his major points of doctrine in place. You know, I think he's yeah. going to lose out on a lot by not understanding the sovereignty of God. And but it's not the same. You don't have that sense of this guy is is um, even you know very nuanced. You think about Arminius and um, Wesley later; <laughs> they were very concerned to elucidate. I mean, despite the the very harsh opposition they faced from Calvinists. Um, yeah. They were very concerned to elucidate that their 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 faith was not a work, you know. It was a non meritorious act, you know, and 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 exactly. so they they were even concerned with those points. Unlike most Armenians today, or those who call themselves such, um, you know, or a Pelagian who would just be like, "Yeah, faith is a work, and I'm saved by works. Who cares?" You yeah, know? yeah. Exactly. So you know, I, I kind of like Armenianism, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Armenianism is honoring the biblical truths, and That's it's right. you know wrestling with it and confronting them and not avoiding them and just just bring a philosophical argument over you know key texts yeah they, yeah. they do bring some philosophy to bear and at totally. the end of the day it is a triumph of philosophy over the scriptures yeah but I think uh, so. so it's it's a it's a it's a better wrestle with the text definitely and the problem the problem with Armini uh, arminianism ultimately and you know with you see this with wesley um you know, he held to a satisfaction theory with the atonement, yeah. you know, so did Arminius. He, he, held, he held, I mean, he, yeah, carry on. Yeah. No, I was just saying, you know, they, um, even at that point, you know, agreed with Reformation doctrine and, and probably had a higher view of it than the most Reformed people do today. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, they did so inconsistently. And you see as, as it sort of maps itself out, I think by the time, you know, for, for example, uh, the example that always comes to mind for me is that I remember reading these two together, um, Systematic uh, Theology by Louis Burkhoff and yeah. uh, the other one by Orton Wiley, who's the Nazarene oh, yeah. guy. And, um, and 
you know, they both sort of map out the history of Dutchman and they show you, you know, you have Orton Wiley, for example, just re- representing the equivalently well-developed system that Burkhoff, you know, presents. And you see that he's like, well, you know, Wesley held to satisfaction uh, in terms of the atonement. We realized about a few years after that, you really can't do that. <laughs> you know, so we got to hold to a moral government view. And, oh, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much, it's often helpful just to see that and going, yeah. don't mess around with your philosophical quandary with regard to free will. Go to the atonement and just see, you know, and understand that if you're an Arminian, you can't hold to a satisfaction theory. And, and that's not Calvinists that are saying that. That's Arminians yeah. that are saying that. So, I mean, the, yeah. The, the thing I appreciated about John Wesley, you know, is he held to the reformed doctrine of justification. Yeah. That when God justifies you, every single sin, past, present, and future, is fully paid for by Christ, and you are dressed in the righteousness of Christ and declared your judgment day verdict is brought forward. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But how do you hold to that? How do you say your judgment day verdict has been brought forward and you can still lose your salvation? <laughs> <laughs> so that you can undo yeah. your judgment David. Yeah, exactly. And so what he did is he said, "Well, I'm not willing to st- I'm not willing to let go of, of this obvious biblical teaching of justification. Uh-huh. This is just going to be a happy inconsistency for me." Right. Do you know and who- he, he he chose not to override the biblical teaching with the logical conclusion of his stance. Yeah. Yeah. And and those those were moments that saved him. You know, Amen. And, yeah, and praise God for that. And and you know, uh, hats off to him. You yeah, know, he's, he's the inconsistency, and he's he's not willing to sacrifice the key things to make his system work. Yeah, Amen. So you know, more of that. I do always laugh though when uh, he's commenting on uh, Romans nine, and, and you know, going through the whole <laughs> thing, and it's obviously got this very lucid election text. Yeah. And so he says, "Well, you know, I don't buy this. I don't think it's saying this." And he goes, "You know, the Calvinists." Um, make it say this. I um, and he says, I have no idea what it says, but I would sooner say it says nothing at all than make it say what the Calvinists make it say. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, thanks know, for the honesty, buddy. Totally, you know. So he was a, he was a character, but um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. after Wesley, it goes south, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, and and then you've got Emeraldianism, which is closer to the truth still, but at least Emeraldianism is believes. Total depravity, mm-hmm. believes in the sovereignty of the spirit and the necessity of the spirit to regenerate unto faith. Mm-hmm. Um, they they get it wrong on the, dec- the decree side of things, not the auto salutis side. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to the practical application of salvation and the spirit of uh, applying the benefits of Christ's finished work, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't necessarily, they don't change the teaching. At least technically they don't. No. There may be some who do, but generally speaking, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, generally they're regarded as sort of moderate Calvinists. Yeah, um, yeah, um, right. Then you got Calvinists who are basically those, and I love the way I love to describe Calvinists this way. Um, we, we just we look at all these things, uh, like Calvin himself says, we'll go as far as the Bible goes, we'll say what the Bible says, and we'll yeah. stop where the Bible stops. Yeah, and that's and- basically what's happening, and we have no idea how it fits all together. You know, we can't make, we can't understand how you can have all these things running in the same. You know. Um, God's sovereignty, man's man's uh, freedom. You know, we can try, we can figure it out, but at the end of the day, we just have to say, this is what it says. It says both of these things. This is what it does say. We're not giving up on satisfaction theory. Um, we're not giving up on total depravity. You know, um, yes, you know, there are points that sound very, very difficult, but this is what it says. And so mm-hmm. we just are saying it, and that's the end of it. 
And our confidence is not in our ability to be very clever, but yeah. our confidence is in the perspicuity of Scripture. Yeah. The fact that God has made these things to be known. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our confidence is that these are the clear teachings of the Bible. And it's that Calvinistic ethos at that point that I think affects all of its hermeneutics and, and leads to generally good theology because of that very, that very point. You know, we're, we're not, you know, reformed theologians in general are just quite willing to embrace that idea. Um, so they're, they're kept from super wild speculations or going off into some, you know, territory that they really just shouldn't be, yeah. you know, and, and so obviously speaking in general terms, but I think that's true. You know, if you look at um, Armenian history, for example, or general Baptist history, or, you know, you see it's rife with Unitarianism and liberalism and just it just can't, can't stay on track for more than a few years. Um, whereas that's not the case. If anything, I mean, Calvinists go hyper-Calvinists every now and again. Um, you know, but that, that tends to keep them safe, even at that level from liberalism. So, you know, which then leads to more missions because they actually believe in a gospel to, even if they were at one point hyper-Calvinists. I'm just thinking of the story of, 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 of the Reformed Baptists, for example, and John Gill. I mean, even if he, his Calvinist, Calvinism went a little bit high, uh, yep. it gave rise to, you know, the father of modern missions and William Carey and, you know. Um, and Fuller, Fuller. yeah, they wouldn't have had a church. I mean, almost everyone at that point was Unitarian and, uh, they just, they just, um, everything was just falling right off the map in terms of orthodoxy. The only reason they even concerned themselves with the issue of hyper-Calvinism was because they still had a gospel to concern themselves with. So, you know, at that level, and I just think also one of the, on a personal note, you know, in South Africa, I remember being part of the charismatic movement and, um, not, not really appreciating how much the backbone of Calvinism uh, had given to South African churches in general. You yeah. know, they, they were all, I mean, again, very general terms, and this doesn't apply across the board, but in, in ge- generally speaking, coming to New Zealand, you realize where there wasn't that Calvinistic tradition and backbone and conserving element. Yeah. Uh, it's it just when things go wrong, they go wrong fast and furiously, you know, yeah. no. Uh, there's n- no esteem given to the word. There's no, you know, um, uh, you know, importance to the local church and just, you know, just things that you take for granted in a Calvinistic sort of rubric. Yeah. 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 yeah so there you go. I mean, we're, we're trying to just help people think through, you know, in the Armenian versus Calvinist debate, most people are semi-Pelagian who think they're Armenian. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And, um, and, you know, even just a, that's a helpful thing to point out, you know, when, when someone is um, perhaps has assumed that they've, they've been on the acceptably Arminian camp, you know, in their own minds, uh, just to show them actually, you know, there's a whole array and this is where, as far as I can tell, this is where you are. Um, you know, if it concerns them, they'll wrestle with that. Yeah, you're less orthodox than Roman Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would freak me out. No one likes out. to hear that. No one likes to. <laughs> no one likes to hear that. Oh man. Anyways, totally. So yeah, we haven't touched on open world theism as an animal on its own as well. But hey, we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Saturday after all. But with that in mind, nothing is worth anything unless you're going to church tomorrow. So go to go church. To church. Mm. Go to church. I'm preaching on that tomorrow. Good. If you are, if you are listening, and you go to GraceNet. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, going to church and what its importance. Amen. Because uh, I'm not preaching Genesis anymore. I'm preaching on Mariology. Um, wow. Not Mariolatry, Mariology. Yeah. The study of Mary. 
That's it. Very well, nice. the doctrine of Mary, the biblical okay. doctrine of uh, Mary. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Mariology is the worship of Mary. Right. Mariology is the biblical teaching on Mary. Because you're dealing with that part in Luke? Or? Yeah, I'm in Luke, so I'm at the Annunciation. So, yeah, looking forward Beautiful. to that. Awesome. All right, so if you're in Timaru or the surrounding region, travel far and wide. Go to Covenant Grace Baptist <laughs> Church. <laughs> um, but otherwise, have a great weekend. Have a good Lord's Day tomorrow, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks, Nick. Cool, man. Cheers. Thank you.